Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Victorian Blood Bob podcast. As per usual, I'm joined by Geordie, also known as Cromag. How are you, Geordie? Hello. I'm good, I'm good. Uh, looking forward to talking about Gold Crush. Yes, exactly right. We're talking about Gold Crush this week, and to talk about Gold Crush, we have the winner of Gold Crush 2023, Adrian. How are you going, Adrian? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me along to discuss Gold Crush. Yes, it should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was quite an exciting tournament. I think it was 44 people in the end. And Underworld with Bomber took out the trophy. Everyone was quick to remind people that Bomber was on the team, so we'll probably talk a bit about Bomber. Yeah, Bomber was a, a big part of the tournament. Yes. But also helped with the um, top table drawing in the end. Yes. My, my hot take is that Bomber's good, but not that good. But, but we'll get there. We'll get there in a minute. First up, we're just going to talk about what we've been doing Hobby Rise recently. So, Adrian, you want to update us on what you've got on your paying table for Blood Bowl, other miniatures games? Yeah, um, so I've printed off the Brute Fun Skaven team, so I'm going to replace all my Underworld Ooh. Skaven because, because the GW tails are horrendous. <laughs> so I'm four out of uh, six so far, with the other two on the painting table, and then I'm going to start painting up the Skaven team. Yes, I can see, I know your throwers in the Ozball chat, I've seen that. I'll get photos from Adrian and put them all in the show notes as well. But it looks a lot like the um, the Blood Bowl 2 thrower style. I love the arm cannon. It looks so awesome, that thrower. Yeah, I love the arm cannon as well. It's actually attached to his arm. Yeah. Which I didn't realise at the start. I thought it was sort of... He's had his arm attached to it. Not cut off his arm. <laughs> attached it on. Yeah. Gotta love him at team meals after. Ah, Skaven. Yes, he looks great. So have you got... So is this all you've done so far? How many did you say you've painted yet? Sorry. I've painted four. So four. I painted up the Blitzer for Gold Crush. Yeah. But then I was still deciding which thrower to take. Yeah. Which I ended up taking the um, first one in the end. Yeah. So I've painted up another lineman as well. So there's four. I've just got the other two to go. Nice. Nice. How about yourself, Jordy? Have you been painting much? Yeah, I, I built uh, and primed a dwarf team um, that I got from Titan Forge. It, it was a challenge. the The molds were pretty bad, but apparently they're you know twelve year old molds or something. Um, but yeah, it looks all right now. It's primed. Uh, I'm gonna give it sort of a glowy steampunk look. Uh, but that's for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been a bit bit lazy with my my hobbying to be honest I'll have to up my game for next week I need to um, I need to prime some some vampires that is what we're going to be working on now though priming some vampires so you, you finally got your own vampire I team do, I do good, so good. that's exciting I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to prime them red and we're going to go for red and gold so a bit a bit um, 49ers style if you know your NFL teams mm. so I think that'll be a bit of fun I really like I somehow seem to paint red on every miniature, and I really enjoy um, Blood Bowl. So fun in that, like compared to 40k, you get to just paint them like really wacky, bright colors. So 
thing in a nice flashy red and gold will look really cool. Yeah, I, I get stuck with purple and, and yellow as well. <laughs> you probably look at the um, Crimson Vampires from obviously from Games Workshop, and they've got a red and gold color scheme. Oh, do they? Are they the old ones? Yeah, I think it's Crimson Dragon. Ah. Quite on that. I should definitely have a look because I've got the the Punga Vampire. Um, the Vampire Buccaneers minis. So they're the same minis, if you play me on the tabletop, they're those same minis. I've just been borrowing Kane's team. Um, but yes, they should look great. I actually really like the way Kane's done them too, but it's fun having, you know, different painted teams as well. So, yeah, I think um, we'll probably just get straight to the stuff you're probably all here for. Gold Crush results. So... How'd your tournament go, Adrian? Do you want to give us a rundown of your games, as best you can remember them? Yes, so I started up against Michael and his humans. I uh, probably didn't really use Bomber that well during that match, but came away with uh, a 3-0 win. Nice. Which then threw me against Jono, and so Bomber didn't appear for both of us, due to the Highlander rule. And it started with a match where... Um, Jono decimated my front line, but with a bit of uh, luck, I managed to take out his Red Ogre, his Blitzer, and then his Gutter Runner, and basically just cascaded into my favour. We basically just sort of sat around for the second half and then eventually scored to win that match. And then probably the um, best game for Bomber for the whole tournament was I was up against Luke's Tomb Kings and took out, I think, seven of his players and he oh, failed. I was sitting next to you in this one and yeah, you could uh, you could hear that Bomb was doing something, I'll say that much. He just yeah, then he Luke's failed five of the six um, regen rolls. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Which basically put him on the back foot. But... If his team had it st st stuck around, he would have mowed through my poor little poor little goblins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's bad news when you're playing Tomb Kings, one of the more durable teams, and you get pushed around like that. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. But you know, skeletons are all ag two and explode. So I think our bomber yes. loves throwing it at skeletons, and and the. You know, pretty much all the positionals that aren't Tomb Guardians die really easy to it. Well, plus the Tomb Guardians can't catch the bomb no. as well. No. They just drop it on the ground. And then the final game was against uh, Mark Baker's Amazons, which was a really fun match. Um, some of the hilarious things was Bomber threw an inaccurate pass, but it went to the same square. And <laughs> then one of his Amazons um, caught one of the bombs and threw it back and then took it, almost took out the f front part of my cage. Luckily enough, I had one more activation left to put a lonely goblin in front. Mm -hmm. But really good game, came down to the wire, but I also managed to win that one as well. Leaving me on four wins. Nice. And then I had to wait for the um, top table to finish off their match. <laughs> which yes. I'm quite happy that ended it in a draw because this... <laughs> one of them had won, they would have pipped me at the post through the synchro schedule and I would have come second, but 
that would have been still a great result anyway. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to talk about my game then, because um, I was on that top table, and I actually had, it was a very funny tournament, because I ended up, first game, just driven two hours with my neighbour, um, Michael Bertrand, to the store, and then we get paired together, so... My last two goal crushes, first round I played my dad and my neighbour, which is kind of funny. Um, so that was, we actually had a practice game because I was playing with, the main weird thing about my roster was just the six vamps, one re-roll, so it was all in on pro. And since we played a practice game, that definitely helped. Um, you had to be pretty conservative and obviously you couldn't greed re-roll, you just greed things with pro all the time. So won that and ended up winning that game. Then played another guy who was in the car with me, Robbie. So that was a pleasure. Um, played Robbie. Got super lucky and just murdered his gutter on her and Bomber didn't do enough before Bomber went off. So won that one. And it was really funny actually because the Vamps rolled so hot on their four up rolls. Um, pretty much all tournament against the Lizards, I feel, in the first half. They were really good. Like I kept just trying to move vamps back in and trying to not have thralls next to them so they wouldn't bite and kept just rolling four ups anyway and then just like I didn't get punished for it the turn before so I just kind of do it again and that game was a massive mess because despite the fact I had a really nice sack because I was rolling really hot um, sacked the ball removed his star adji four you know block skin from the game and then the ball bounced to Asaurus who just caught it on a six and then like the vampires just could not sack the Saurus. So that game, I was pretty lucky, I feel, to get the win. In the final against the Orcs, um, we had an awesome first half, started off with a blitz, and so everything was going my way. Removed his star, uh, turn one, because we blitzed it and just got a lucky KO, which was very cheeky, removing an agi dodge Orc. Um, <laughs> And then it was interesting because I chose to stall out the half, deep in his half, when I probably should have just scored turn four and really put the pressure on the Orcs to score again because I went, I think he had three KOs at the time, and I just went, okay, if I can stall this out to the half, there's a decent chance the Orcs only get, you know, half of their KOs back and then that, you know, down players because I'll probably have 11 because of my bench. And instead, um, the Orcs started really, you know... They started waking up a bit, um, injured a couple vamps, most importantly my star. So I had to score turn eight, which was pretty catastrophic, or turn seven, which really sucked. Because I, you know, I gave them two chances to get their KOs back and they got a free hit on me. Um, and then second half, all the orcs were back. Bomber was gone by then. But uh, when you don't have the movement seven, it was really hard to score. So the Orcs did turn me over, scored, and then we had a really exciting final two turns of the game where I think I did the maths on it. Um, it was only a 20, 24% chance, I think, of me to score last turn. So it was possible, not high though. Um, and of course, you know, the way I failed it was I made the really unlikely five up pass and then dropped the two up catch, which is classic Nuffle. That was very funny. And then the Orcs couldn't get a pass back down the field so we tied one all so it was a super exciting fun game you know classic vamps and they were super swingy and uh just meant a tie sadly how about you though as well 
Geordie, how'd your matches go? Have you remembered most of them yet? Um, I lost to your fourth round opponent, I believe round one, might have been round two, and I lost to Gav, who was on Corn, mm-hmm. uh, but not in that order. Uh, <laughs> I know at the end of the day I had two loss, one draw, one win, uh, but uh, my brain was lack of sleep and addled on caffeine, so I didn't remember much of it. Um, definitely get enough sleep before a gold crush my recommendation (laughs) no definitely I mean looking at the standings we're going over these a bit before trying to remember what everyone was playing Um, we had so Adrian top me second we had Simon who is my orc opponent in the last game in third he also had bomber Uh, then we had Johnny in fourth with undead I believe, I might be getting this wrong, I believe Dan might have been my second opponent. I'm terrible with names. I think he was on the Lizards. And then we had... Was Andrew who you were playing? No, Andrew was playing... Who was Andrew? What was Andrew playing again? Andrew was playing um, Chaos Renegades. That's right. So he had two big guys and Uh a tooled up Dark Elf. Ooh, that is interesting. And only two big guys. I was pretty sad. I haven't seen his list. Okay. No, I, and then Michael was on the Zons, wasn't he, in seventh? Yes. That was your last opponent there. So I yes. must admit, the um, tooled up uh, Blitzes, I think they got. No, not Blitzes. <coughs> well, the strength four blockers. Oh, yes. So you had two nice blockers yep. with uh, guard, stand firm, defensive. Were oh, defensive. Problematic <laughs> to move. Yeah. They would have been too, wouldn't they? Because I remember um, Andrew Lay had a strength five one of those, which I did think was pretty funny. That would be very annoying. But even strength four is really good. How did you find... What, what did you think actually playing against the new Amazons, Adrian? Like the... Um, did hit and run come up much? Was it really influential? Uh, it didn't come up much. It did come up at one point. Unfortunately, um, one of my snotlings decided to fall over on a double one to yeah. dodge into a square in order to for me to sack the ball carrier because mm-hmm. there was a blocker standing right next to Litzer. Yeah. But then he was able to uh, do hit and run to basically push away my guy, get into a safe spot, and then straight into the end zone to score the TD. Oh, that is really cool. Oh. Yeah. That's a really sweet move. Well, it's it, safe on the free undodged. movement, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And see, do you even have to... I guess you just need pushes, because if you're both down, you could still move. Because you can no, move if you both run, or can you not? You've got to be standing to do the hit and run move. You've got to be standing, okay. Do you have to be based up, or can you be based up to move it? Oh, it doesn't matter about basing, as long as you're moving That's to a free right. square. And you don't dodge. Yes, it's just the square you move to can't be in a tackle zone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's, a, it's a great move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is a nice clever move. It, it really does seem like a good skill. So good to see uh, it being relevant as well. Well, the, the one thing uh, I think that everyone was talking about was Bomber. So... 
how do you find Bomber? Did he seem really strong, Adrian, or you know, was he just eh? How do you find? I him? think, I think he showed his strength in the game against Luke. Yeah. Where he really performed above expectations. Yeah. Uh, I think it was useful having it against Jono, even though he didn't play, but having the ability to sort of cancel out uh, another bomber, which was good. He was also playing um, undead, uh, Underworld, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the other matches, he didn't really do that do that much. It's more of a that disruptive influence he can have. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of... Some people don't know how to play against a bomber. Yeah. They'll tend to just do what they normally do, which can basically maximise bomber's potential Yeah. by caging yeah. up. Yeah, definitely. I think I... I don't think I... I've played, I played against it twice in the tournament. Uh, no, I think the trick with bomber is partly that he is quite... Especially on Underworld... Um, since the Underworld team doesn't have that much strength, like, you can probably try and find out Bomber and hit him. Usually he sits relatively close to the line. So, you know, Underworld tend to just try and dodge away rather than really get in a big scrum. So trying to go after Bomber a bit, I think, is kind of possible. Um, it's definitely tricky in that he will be throwing bombs at you while you do this. But, yeah. Well... I uh, I first turn of the game with the vamps against the bomber on Simon's team. Um, I uh, yeah hypno gazed his defensive lineman and immediately went out after that bomber. <laughs> and I I don't think I managed to get him off the field, but he only threw one bomb for the first half of the mm-hmm. game, so I I saw that as a win. I think the good trick to do with bomber is to either basing up with someone expendable so it forces him to move yeah. or the other way is get two players on him because because he's a bomber he doesn't get the ability of stunty to do the three plus dodge away yeah which is, is a good thing to remember oh I think people forget that that's, is huge yeah, actually he doesn't get stunty yeah. does he same with chainsaws and other secret weapons yeah even the wings for the goblin team also lose the dodge part of the stunty skill because <clears throat> he still has dodge so he is slightly harder to get down I think part it's of why Bomber is actually very good is purely because even in the games where it does nothing it's like 60k for a you know dodge piece that can have insane upside like it's, it's a I'll pretty 50k 50k it's 50k yeah oh, I didn't realise it was cheaper than it was last edition so yeah it's you know awesome for for 50k value. Did you actually feel that much on um, on offense, Adrian, or on defense mostly? No, he's, he's perfect for defense. Yeah. He's, that's where you want him. Especially for an underworld team, you want to get that ball free so you can get the gutter runner in and run off. That's where he shines. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely that's where agree. the weakness of the underworld is as well. Yes. I am... Um, I saw, actually in both the games, I think one of the things it does make, definitely makes Bomber trickier, is that in both games I played against him, I was kicking. Because one of them I get to chose to, cho- chose to kick. Um, and often people really want to, you know, receive against vampires, try and beat the hell out of them. Um, but 
Bomber definitely is not as good on offense because you can't really break open cages. Sure, it's just a chance to just blow up the other team. But the fact that, you know, let's say your, your offensive drive did go perfectly, um, you score turn eight. Well, even if you have a bribe, Bomber's most likely going to get ejected because he's been on and you use a bribe for the first drive and he might have to just be on for the one turn. Um, so he really does shine on defense, which I think, you know, most of these rosters only had 12 players. So if you force Bomber on on their offense first up, that could be problematic for Bomber. Um, yeah, but most Underworld teams are running 16. That's true. Underworld do play a lot more. That is a good point. So they can hide him. They can. And Orcs will have the extra goblins as well, likely. That's a good point. I think Orcs often struggle a bit more. You definitely are. Underworld do have a good bench. Did um, did you have a bribe as well? Yes. Yeah. But that's only like that a, that's a hundred k all up. Yeah, the fact that bribes are fifty k this edition on Underworld is actually kind of nuts, isn't it? Because oh, did absolutely. you get him on, like, full games or just for a half, usually? Uh, usually for a half. Because mm-hmm. you'd... Hopefully, well, most of the time I was scoring using the bribe. Yeah. And then having on the defense. Yeah. But I think I think an interesting point that Kane raised up in our Saturday discussions... Saturday night before mm-hmm. was getting Bomber to throw the bomb to your thrower having him <laughs> catch it hoping yeah. that it doesn't blow up in his hands mm-hmm. and then he launching it somewhere down the field that is very funny because <laughs> there's no restriction on distance with the thrower right? correct that's crazy that is as long as you get past that- the 4 plus as long as the bomb doesn't explode in his hands. Uh, yeah. You don't get to use Kaboom, though, because it's not from... Uh, Dribble's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I first heard that, I, I lost my mind. I was like, whoa. <laughs> you could uh, do it with Cindy on a, like, a high elf team with uh, Hail Mary Pass or something. I was saying with humans. Humans are a good part. <laughs> got a good arm um, throw. Mm. When I've... I actually don't think you really need Hail Mary Pass so much as just, like, accurate and pass would actually be insane on a bombing piece. I've had Hail Mary Pass before, and often it scatters a bit too much that you just miss. Although maybe that was also the old rules. Because the old rules, you really couldn't afford to put it anywhere near your players, or you'd blow them up. Obviously, in these rules. Can you just remind me, Adrian, how... Like, when does the bomber t- cause a turnover? Is it only when he knocks over the ball carrier if the ball carrier is on your team? Is that the only way you yes. can do it now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The other thing you've got to consider is we've also got wildly inaccurate passing now. Yeah. Yeah. So long and long bombs are very haphazard. Yes. I think that was mostly the trick, is that if you go short, you're unmodified. So you just need... At worst, if you roll a 2 with Bomber, he's throwing it inaccurate. So, he's probably not blowing himself up. So, yeah, overall, did you think... I don't know, did you think Bomber was a bit too strong? How do you, you find him? I think 
with the game against Luke, I think you show the how strong Bomber can be. Mm-hmm. I think he is slightly undercosted. Yeah. For what he does, what he brings to the table. Yeah, that's my call as well. Fifty thousand for for like a lot of the teams is negligible. Mm. So. Well, I don't think we saw any of Cindy who cost the same. Um, uh, I, I saw one oh, Cindy, Cindy on someone's table. Ooh. I can't remember. Maybe it was a was it human team? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, but unfortunately, when you compare um, Dribble Snot and Cindy together, uh, Dribble Snot is the superior piece. Yes. Just so much better. He can also yeah. go on like Underworld, which is probably the best team for him with the cheap bribes, tons of expendable players, like lots of really quick players that can take advantage of the bomb getting blown up. Blown up. I definitely think they're one of the best like shells for, for good yeah, stuff. Yeah, with that said, though, as well, I think lots of tournaments... I think this was what was funny about Gold Crush, is that I don't think there were any other stars, like, in the top teams. Or, there weren't many other stars at all. Because I think Gold Crush, um, the rules that you pretty much just create your own star, who's already super... Like, who's usually going to be just more efficient than building a Griff or whatever. Like, you know, the vampire star I had is literally, like, just Griff with Hypnogaze. And, um... <laughs> So, like, you know, you'd have teams running around with their own griff, but the one star you can't build that is, is quite strong is Bomber. So. Yeah. But I think uh, Mark Bishop, or Bishop, as we know him, he was running griff with the Ogres. Ah, yes, that's right. Bishop does that a bit, doesn't he? No. Oh, he, he really helps out the um, Ogre team with some ball yeah. laying capabilities. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely... I think point. I eked out a draw with the Ogre team. Now I think about it. And I think that was Bishop. That was round three. Hey, I'm remembering things. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember he... I think he had two stars. I think he had... Uh, yeah, Griff and another Ogre star... Golly, I really can't remember anything. Sorry. No, that's all right. It's always hard at tournaments. All right. So the other thing we're meaning to talk about was um, trolls and rat ogres on the underworld team. So I believe you were playing a troll, Adrian. How did that go? Uh, I think the reason I like the troll on the underworld team is you can put him on the line and he's pretty rock solid. And I took mine with Guard, Stand Firm, and Brawler. And Brawler was really useful on him. Very useful Ooh. skill. That is interesting. Plus, plus the other um, benefit is you can throw goblins for that one-turn touchdown situation. Mm-hmm. I support everything you said, but the Rat Ogre is potentially the best like big guy in the game. Uh, and I would... I would always take it just for that fact. I think it's closer than people give it credit for. I do agree with that take that the Radog is the best big guy in the game, but I think the Radog has the problem that he's only um, AV9+. Plus. Against teams like Orcs, which Underworld already really quite struggle with, 
Like, the orcs just, you know, the rat ogre will blitz something, you know, probably mulch it to death. And then he'll be surrounded by four black orcs, and now, you know, be at outstrength him, and, and often hurt him, and often foul him. Whereas the troll has the advantage of being, I think, 40k cheaper at least. I think they're one, they might have um, upped the trolls to 150. 30, 35. Yeah, they're 150. Yeah. 35k. Yeah. Is the rat only 140? No, he's 150. Oh. Yeah, he's 150. Radiger's 150. Yeah. On the Underworld team. Yeah. So the fact that they're so much cheaper, like, you know, if you think about that in terms of uh, how much a double skill costs, like, you know, you could get a Radoga or you could get a Troll with Block, which is pretty nuts, um, just how cheap the Troll is compared to most of you guys. And but- he's got Regen. Yes, he does. Uh, but the other thing to think of is if you take the Red Ogre, it changes what you do with the Blitzer. And mm. I think Gold Crush is slightly different where you yeah. can make your Blitzer a hero. Did you have a killer Blitzer hero as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. So he was running around with... Thing. Yeah, so he was running around with horns, horns, claws, tackle, dodge... Mm. And that's so, so you essentially built your own rat ogre, pretty much. <laughs> Slightly weaker, but he was he was awesome. And I think Dodge really was a really great skill on him. And that was mainly due to the sort of lack of tackle that people had. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, I played against the underworld team. I played Robbie's had a blitzer. They actually ran the troll as well. Um, but it wasn't a killer, and I do think you really want at least one killer. And the trick with the Blitz is he can be a bit more surgical. He can be a bit hit and run, whereas the Radoga kind of has to get stuck in, which can put the Radoga in trouble against your, your higher-strength teams. Um, the Radoga does have six stra- uh, six movement and a four-plus agility as well, Yeah, which is honestly fine get break for tackle. that risky dodge. You can get break tackle. Funnily enough, giving it break tackle dodge actually would be pretty pretty annoying that's for sure um yeah i think jono had that version yeah so how did they go in the battle it. in the 1v1 uh he 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 knocked down my blitzer but mm-hmm. then my blitzer got up and smacked him down yeah and did you foul it as well or did you just get sent straight up uh, i knocked it down the first time and tried to foul it but didn't break his armor yeah but then the second time when the blitzer hit he took him out Gold Crush definitely has, um, because of the star players, yeah, removing an opponent's star can really change your chances, which is probably one of the problems with Rat Ogres. It's definitely interesting. I am surprised um, Brawler did so well for you. I, every time I play with, I played with Black Orcs before, I reckon in when I played six games of Big V, I reckon it happened like twice. Maybe I was just forgetting. I'm surprised Brawler did so well for you though. It does seem like a good skill. But um, you've got to remember, when I'm activating that troll, it's pretty much towards the end of my activation. Yeah. That's and fair. you don't have to worry about the 4-plus loner on the troll either Yeah. to get that cheeky reroll. Oh, so yeah. Is, sort of is pro just better? Pro is so much more expensive for it, though. It yeah. is. It is more expensive. Yeah. Well, if if I'm yeah, going to use prior, I'll just put blocking in. Yeah, I I think that's right. 
Pro has the problem of like it's really good when you can spam it because uh, then you can like actually just you know not take as many rerolls. But when there's just one or two pro, like it's still I still think it's pretty good, but um, it's not as good as just block or something like that. You know, obviously that's kind of against this podcast agenda of pro is OP. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> pro is better than block in my opinion, yeah, uh, yeah. and that's just that. If we're talking about my vampire team, pro was the amount of dice I rolled that tournament. Like, if anyone really likes the old elves and has been a bit miffed by some of the elf changes, give vamps a try. Because the amount of just like number of dice that I rolled must have been one of the highest. Because playing with six vamps, you just, you know, you throw the block, you roll a dice, see if you can. You probably re-roll that dice, and then you roll another dice, and then you throw the block, and, you know, if you haven't used priority, you re-roll one of the block dice. It's, And it's really funny when you've already knocked them down, like you've knocked them down with block, and you just pro the other dice because you're going for, like, a pow because you want to push them back. Yep. Oh, it's so much fun. That was actually the other thing about this tournament that we were uh, talking about a little bit before, is that... There were very few elves, so I believe there were two high elf teams. Um, I think it was Dazed and Matt Morgan bringing those two uh, high elf teams, and then I'm pretty sure there were yeah there were no wood elves, elven union, or dark elves. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Any any reasons you guys reckon? I'm a little bit surprised there's no dark elves. I think dark mm. elves are generally a, a very good strong choice due to your four. Um, blockers. I know um, Matt Morgan um, generally runs high elves and currently running them in our RBBL. And mm-hmm. Matt's reasons for choosing the high elves was sort of to work out why they're doing so well in the other tournaments. Because yeah. they've got a really good um, win percentage. And since they're still one of the League of Legends as well, they haven't been updated yet by GW. So... It's interesting to see them so strong in the um, tournament meta. Yeah, I I agree. They are very strong. They're they're like they cost a lot, but they've got nine armor and they're just so good. <laughs> um, I was really surprised there wasn't a wood elf team. I I was I was looking at my wood elf team and thinking I should I should play that instead of vampires and then. Uh, and then Liam here is like, you can play five or six vampires with pro. And so I switched over. But um, having a, uh, a star war dancer and a treeman, it would just be incredible. I, I don't know why no one came with wood elves. I think wood elves did get massively nerfed. I'm really surprised there were no, um, no dark elves. But yeah, I was talking to Dad. Dad used to play a lot of elves. And they definitely, like, obviously the, the old Wood Elf leap cage trick was pretty nutty. Um, and for the most bit, that's been quite nerfed. Um, the one thing that people can use nowadays is the fact you have multiple rerolls in a turn. But often it's just going to be better to just dodge into the cage or play a bit more cagey and try and, like, you know, find... Instead of going in for a, you know... A pretty strong cage structure trying to wait a couple turns pick off some players out position them a bit then go for it which is what dark elves are really good at and i think high elves are you know high elves are actually often very similar to dark elves and usually you just end up having you know two blitzes replaced by two catches doing kind of similar things with a bit more movement bit less armor um 
Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was definitely interesting. Those high elves actually did struggle a bit. I think Gold Crush is often a bit bashier as well. Um, I think often a lot of players are getting murdered at Gold Crush. Um, was it always? Well, you normally got the hero that's the killer. So. Yes. Yes. And and often there's a bit there's a couple extra skills. So often you'll see some teams that have. Um, maybe Dirty Player or some Bench to just try and murder things. I was surprised, though, because the one thing that Elves do bring to the table, which is kind of underrated sometimes, I think, is that... You know, it, sorry to give this example, Luke, but like when your team does get blown up by some bad luck, um, you know, Camry just have no chance. Because you know, once Camry down to eight players, they're just going, what are we supposed to do? That's not their plan. Um, and, you know... While that is bad luck, the, the great thing about Elves is that they can still have a good chance at, at fewer numbers of players to try and clutch games. So I think that's sometimes an underrated uh, aspect of Elves. So Yeah, for sure. You, you can score with three or four players on the field. They kick the ball to you and that's it. Yeah. You, you get to control the, the world with your 2 plus Agi and 8 movement. Yeah. At the same time... I think Underworld and the Vampires kind of fill a very similar elfy role. Like, I imagine you would definitely second the ball a bit with your your bomb and your gutter runners and your, your crazy goblins that dodge everywhere. Um, oh, the crazy goblins with two heads are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask about mutations. Did you take anything other than two heads? I did have one with uh, horns. So I had one goblin with horns and two oh, yeah. heads but I didn't really use him at all during the whole tournament because like yeah. I used a little tool to have but he didn't really do too much um, my favourite sort of skills on my gutter runner are um, monstrous mouth yeah. and two heads yeah agreed that, that's a good skill combination because you get the catch and sure hands benefit from monstrous mouth and you're basically one plusing everywhere yeah, and like that's what's so clutch about them. Like if you score with two turns to go, and you know you give the underworld two turns to score, they've got the gutter to score. You know, at worst the the troll can throw a goblin. Like you really don't ever want to do that because I think you'd say they're going to score over half the time at least. Um, but it was interesting just to see no elves, well not no elves, but like comparatively much less. Uh, elves. But I think that's also just, you know, often lots of the coaches who play Elves were trying different things, which happens. Yeah, but I think they're being really hurt by the um, changes to the pass in the Ooh, game. that's true. Especially without the ability for their linemen to pass as much mm. as they used to. Which has hurt gutter runners as well. Yes. The fact that, like, gutter runners and elf linemen pass just as well as orcs... <laughs> I don't want to complain too much about Blood Bowl rules on this podcast, but yes, that's that's. I think m pretty much all the changes to Blood Bowl Twenty are great, but I don't know about you two, but I think buffing the Elf Lyman maybe to three up passing would be actually pretty good because they still couldn't farm SPP like they used to, but it would uh, definitely help the teams on defense and on offense. Even. Absolutely. I think three plus is 
is very good now. Uh, I, I think the landscape's very different. I, I wouldn't say that it's hugely nerfed because the game's changed so much. Uh, the meta's different. The way people build cages is different. Um, I think I think that it is definitely worse than it used to, but having dedicated thrower on your team is incredible. What people just need to roll the dice sometimes. What about you, Adrian? No, I I dislike passing anything longer than a short pass now. It's really even even with a scaven throw on a two plants as their base, it's really risky throwing that long pass as a scaven thrower or human thrower. I, I, I really agree. I think it's hilarious that they call it the passing edition and I think passing's just nerfed. So hmm. I just think, I do agree that elves being out past every round two ups is, is a bit too much, I think. And maybe not necessarily for gameplay, but definitely for the SPP farming. But um, since you just pass quick on your passing ability now, I think, like my other pet peeve is when they release new rosters and the, the, the team has like some thrower type piece, like the Zons, and they only pass on threes, and I kind of go, yeah, I'm probably not going to pass with you very much. Because Accurate actually has been nerfed to only the two short distances now. Yeah, so it's short. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's really hard to make Accurate that worth it if you can only... I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's definitely one of the things I think they might change. They might buff passing a bit. Well, with the Zons, uh, they have they have safe pass on their thrower, so if you fail, then you can just hold it. Mm. That's only on a one, no though. turnover is caused. Yeah, it's only on a one. On a two, they'll just inaccurate somewhere. No, wildly inaccurate. Oh, is that right? Yeah, wildly inaccurate. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's a quick pass. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think... Um, I don't know, it's... That's definitely one thing I'd like to see them slightly change. But, you know, I think it's definitely made teams like... Uh, like, on the other hand, making Skaven throwers, Underworld throwers, Human throwers pass on twos is one of my favourite changes because I think that just makes sense. Like, and, and generally, passing was never a good thing. So, in that sense, passing for those teams being buffed is generally good because you know the strongest meta was not passing the ball around it was holding the ball for eight turns and scoring on the eighth turn so yeah yeah so what they've done with the passing with accurate ac with accurate they're split into two so you get accurate and canadia yeah are the two now so canadia yeah. does the long and the long long pass yes i think in in terms of league talk um yeah, it's it's often kind of hard to justify paying the money for accurate and such now, but you can random skill roll them, which I think paying ten k for it definitely feels a bit better than twenty in the long run. Solid agree. It's it's definitely worth it for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think you're better just saving up your SVP and then just going um, leader to get the extra. Reroll. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, leader is a very good skill. Which is, they probably don't want leader to just be the best passing skill. It kind of is a bit of a, 
classic blood bowl issue. Um, but but you're totally right there. Like, what did your throw have at the tournament? I had block and leader. Yeah. <laughs> Which, honestly, I think that's perfect. <laughs> so... Probably any other any other skill sort of look at is sort of on the ball. Ooh, that is interesting. That can be too. interesting, especially like with the ability to get skill. to two heads. Yeah. Funnily enough, actually, on the ball brings me back to um, it's relevant during interceptions. So the bomb got picked off once, right? Or were you passing it directly to someone? I generally passed it directly to someone. Okay, interesting. Cause, well, you can use Bomber to just insta-explode it. It's half yes. the trick. Um, that is interesting. Because against, obviously against the Vamps, they can't pass it just through the Vamps. But the one thing that's kind of tilting about the Bomber is they just pass it to literally the square next to the Vamp. And the Vamp goes, oh, duh, you know. I'll just let that bomb hit the ground and explode next to me and my three mates. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... That was definitely one thing that I think makes people kind of tilted when they come up against the bomber. Like, is once you actually have caught one against Dribblestone and they just auto-explode it, then they're like, oh, all right, we won't pass it directly to you anymore. Well, the other sticky option with the, especially with the Underworld team, is you get your poor little snotling to run up and hang near the player you're going to throw the bomb to. Yeah, yeah, make it hard to catch. Well, because you don't turn over, so... Yeah. And you kill a snotling. Uh. I think at most the other tournaments this year, there will be um, star player taxes on Bomber. Which, honestly, is really good, because I think even, like, giving up, say, two skills, maybe not Gold Crush, maybe you need a bit more incentive than that, because you get so many skills. But at other tournaments, like, I think at, um, for NAF tournaments, for example, you only get, like, seven, eight skills max. Giving up two skills for Bomber is a really big cost, which I like, because I like Bomber being good, but I like, you know, I do think for some tournaments it needs a bit more cost. Well, you, s you see that in the um, World Cup rule set, yeah. where he's um, marked out as one of the um, superior or mega stars, yes. essentially, where he gets taxed, I think, two or three skills. Yeah. And the I rule set's only giving you three five skills. and two. Yeah, something like that. You don't get many skills lot. either there, so. At, at what point do you, you take the black gobbo instead? Kane, I know, loves the Black Gobbo. Swears by the Black Gobbo. He is 200k. Yeah, that's he doesn't even have 225. Weapon. Doesn't have secret doesn't weapon. Have has sidestep, sneaky git, and stab. Um, He's actually... I, I think... I know Kane's actually had success with the Black Gobbo. It might have even been at last year's Gold Crush. He's crazy good, and, and being able to commit two fouls per turn. I think it's less the Black uh, Gobber that's good, and more the Underworld Shell is very good. True. So. Underworld is definitely one of the top teams. Yeah. I guarantee there's going to be some some article about it soon. Oh no, they have a very high win rate. I mean, they already got nerfed from Tier 2 to Tier 1, which was a good, good decision. Um, hmm. And they also changed the swarming rules as well. Yes, which was another good one. Yeah, that's true. Yep. But yes, um, do you guys have anything else you want to say about Gold Crush? No. <laughs> I think uh, I think we move on to uh, upcoming tournaments. Yes. 
Adrian, I believe you have something to, to talk about here. Yeah, so I've um, been thinking about running a tournament for some time now, and I've booked a venue, so we're going to have a look at doing um, Eastern Cup on the 26th of August at the House of War. So we'll be uh, developing up a rule set for that, and hopefully by this time this um, podcast is released, I should have a bit more information about what's going to happen on that day. But it's definitely going to be a one-day tournament to sort of try out a few things before Big V. Was that a Saturday or a Sunday, by the way? Saturday. Cool. Nice. Cool. And, and oh, go on, Jordy, go on. I was, I was just going to ask, is there any anything you can glean on the, the rule set, did you say? Uh, well, definitely won't be having any stars, so unfortunately no <laughs> bombers. But I'm looking at um, developing some ring-ins, which you can take instead, Ooh. which won't be as powerful, but might throw a little bit of more interest into the rule set. I like that. That'd be cool. That's fun. Are you thinking you're going to have, like, um, like a NAS star, like, quite a f- like not many skills at all, or more gold crushing that teams will have quite a lot of skills? I don't know yet. Uh, uh, probably more NAS style. Okay. So I've looked at a few rule sets, and I think they'll work with allowing the um, ring-ins to sort of give a little bit more strength to some teams. And also have a little bit of sort of a star influence without having the star issue, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See, it's already my favourite Victorian tournament because of my most important criteria. Can I walk to it? Unfortunately, <laughs> Big V. Sorry, Big V. Uh, I can walk to this yeah. tournament. So, has my approval. Very exciting. August 26th, right? Yep. Yeah. At House of War? Yes. Awesome. August. Ah, it's so far away. Can I play it tomorrow? Uh. (laughs) I know. I'm not sure if this will be on Vic Master's calendar, but it will definitely count for the Victorian rankings, I believe. Yes, that's correct. So that's very exciting as well. Well, I'll have a few words with Johnny and see what we can do, but um, you're going to have Powerball in July and then um, Eastern Cup in August, and then we can go and play Mayhem in Geelong. Yes, we don't really know when Mayhem is yet, do we? I've heard it's going to be late September. Oh, okay. Yes, I know we hardly even mentioned it, because it's not really on the Victorian website. Not really much official yet. But it is It is going to be run by James and Liam, who, you know, people will know. They've been around a long time. Great coaches, so... That should be good as well. But it I'm is really excited for this now. Oh, another tournament! Yes. <laughs> can't we? You can't have the Western people beating us. So no, that's the other no, main thing. No, exactly. So hopefully we get a lot of the uh, Ringwood guys playing in this tournament. For sure, you'll probably get a lot of the Packenham guys as well. I'll, I'll let them know to sign up. House of War is literally on the other side of for those who don't know so it's closer to the city for the record those people who say that Ringwood's far away or something um, <laughs> but yes it's very exciting accessible by public transport yep yep but the main next sort of tournament that we're 
is um was it Country Quest? Yes. Is the next big one in Wallen? Yes. Which tickets have gone up for? I need to buy them today, or I might miss out. If you if you haven't by the time this comes out, it could be ages away, knowing me. Um, yeah, definitely hurry up because Luke already has passed. Uh, the number of tickets sold's already passed the amount of attendees last year, so that's really exciting and it's a good sign as well that you know people want more Blood Bowl. It's in Wallen, so definitely see if you can uh, stay for the pub feed after as well before you drive home. Wallen's not too far out from the city either. It's actually a bit easier to get to from the eastern suburbs if you're listening from out this side of town. So yeah, it's about excellent. an hour away. Yeah, it's really quite nice. And the, and the venue's quite good because it's in a community hall and there's definitely plenty of space to actually hold a nice big tournament as well. Yeah, I reckon... Yeah, I, I don't know if he actually has a cap, but surely it's pretty decently sized. Yeah, I'm thinking he could take twice as many as he had yeah. last year and I think there was 40-something last year. I don't think year. it was that big, was it? I thought it was like 30. No, closer to 30. Yeah. Okay. But he could easily double that number and still oh, yeah. fit in that room. Definitely. So, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about your tournament with, Adrian? Is that no, not at this stage. Cool, cool. We'll be sure to keep you all posted in future episodes about that, because that's great. Um, so, I think it's time to go talk about the Ringwood Blood Bowl League. So, week two. We're going to go over week two. Geordie. Do you want to go over Div 3B and what happened in week two? All right. Uh, well, we had uh, the bad boys um, versus the golden boys, uh, which is Chaos Chosen versus humans, uh, with Michael on Chaos and Andrew on humans. Um, it went to Chaos 2-1 uh, with quite a lot of... Uh, casualties, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. but nothing too major. Um, looks like solid blood ball. Uh, the next game up would be uh, the football of the living dead uh, versus winter spring wardens uh, with Michael on necromantic horror and Paul on dark elves. That one was three zero. Uh, to the necromantic horror team uh, well done although it does look uh, like there was a lot of fouling yeah which uh, I mean that's good necro play isn't it <clears throat> do you want to take the next one yeah I'll, I'll, I'll go with the next one then uh, we had California Dreaming Scott Gale's California Dreaming versus the Sunset Sirens of James Milner so Woody's versus Zons uh, again Another game where we've had the Bashy team win and three Wood Elves died. Although they were all journeymen, so nothing of value was lost. Yeah, that's that's lucky. That's lucky. Yeah, that's just skill, right? <laughs> Making sure you roll your dead players as your journeyman, because then you can say, "Oh, I had three deaths." You know, I'm I'm so unlucky. But uh, yes. And the final game in this division was a one-all tie between Matthew Morgan's Highborn Hurricanes and Ricardo Grande's Orcs. 
the Orcs, you know, predictably did outbash the High Elves a bit, but it was a 1-0, one 0 tie. I know that the High Elves got out to the first touchdown in this game, and it looks like with quite a bit of attrition going on, the Orcs tied it up. Uh, if we just look at the standings quickly, I don't know if you're on tour play as well, Adrian. You got any takes about the standings of Division 3B for us? Uh, I, I thought um, Matt would have won that game against the Orcs, but mm. obviously the three casualties didn't help. No, it did look like he had an advantage earlier. I remember seeing that, but the Orcs got back in it. Currently the Necro on top go click on that team because they got a bunch of SPP and they have got a and a free player now. and a free player yep looks like it's kept its name is that right Bethul Shadow Strike that sounds like an elf name <laughs> I don't think you call a zombie Shadow Strike <laughs> so yes no that's very exciting for them so we've got uh, Necro and Amazon currently lead that division. Going up to Division 3A. Just looking at the fixtures here. Uh, I'll start it so then Geordie can talk about his game. We had a nil-all tie. I think I was down at House of War for this one. Nil-all ties are always very funny. Um, it was Michael and Ant. And I think they were just completely slugging it out. And no one could score. And there was one casualty each you know classic boring orcs versus chaos game but you know one nil ties I've actually had a few that have been very exciting so it happens or oh, we did have is that Kane versus His Casey? Son. it is yeah so the father son battle I think uh, Casey's actually had the advantage over Kane a bit recently but Kane's won this one um Looks like... Oh, it was actually pretty even on Kaz. We did have a Dark Elf Lineman die. Another one lose an MA. But yes, after the... Hobgoblins... I... No, there we go. Hobgoblins scored an early touchdown. Dark Elves evened it up. And then the Bull Centaur put in a touchdown to end the game. So it looks like they were ground out 2-1 to win that one. And then there's Geordie's game. Probably just going yep. back to Kane's yeah. game. The oh, yeah. interesting thing is he's lost two blockers for the next match. Oh, has he? Oh, you want to play Kane next, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rough time. Um, with my game, it was my vampire team versus uh, the Lothen, Lothen Stars for Joel's High Elves. Uh, it was another draw. I think I've got three draws in a row now. <laughs> um, the the game was quite a lot of actually passing happened on my team as well as his. Uh, I had a, a Thrall die. Um, it was, uh, I think it was in my favor until the last turn of the game uh, where the High Elf managed to uh, stall for a turn and then take it. Yeah. Uh, then there was Dylan... Sonta versus Tristan Bone with uh, Necromantic Horrors versus Slan uh, with Dylan Slan. Uh, that game was three one to Slan, which is uh, good to see. Go Slan, <laughs> um, go Slan. Um, but there was, I think, no casualties. Am I reading that right? There was 
zero no it was one, one casualty that's for the slam <laughs> for the slam it's not uh, a good sign for necro it's <laughs> not a good sign for necro the, the mvp did go to the flesh golem though which is always good to see so uh and and the uh touchdown to the werewolf so i i do hope the next opponent uh for necromantic horrors is a fun game <laughs> this division is actually really tight and you'll keep playing mm. your games early so currently kane leads it with an undefeated record two wins no draws or losses but there's plenty of people just behind him on four points um geordie you've got no wins but three draws Consistency's key. No, we say it no losses. No losses, yeah. Undefeated. Never lost again. Yeah, there's two undefeated, undefeated teams. It's <laughs> actually slightly more. But that's pretty impressive. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess on to Div 2. Adrian, your division. How's your team been going? Just in general, even. Uh, I think missing s- skills mm. is hurting. Gets a bit more experienced teams. Um, yeah sort of what happened in the last game I managed to score um, early but then sort of unfortunate that the APOC was used to get back to Saurus and then the other Sauruses decided not to stay KO'd and my Chaos Warriors decided to stay KO'd instead and so this basically weight of numbers and having block sort of managed made um, Ben able to score again yeah, and then get the ball off me again and do another score so twice in the second half uh, yep. Lizardman yep. but basically fewer um, good Lizardman play Soros's punch a hole knock down the ball carrier Skinks come in steal the ball run away with it yeah I'm looking at the, uh, the team's development as a whole so you've got one block Chaos Warrior You've got one extra arms, which you've actually you know, spent um, six SPP on, and then you've taken three random skills, uh, all generals, dauntless, tackle, and fend. So how do you think you're going to develop the team? Well, I need to get a touchdown on number three on the chaos blockers to get another block piece. Yeah. Uh, the random on number seven, I just did because he was has got a niggle. Let's see what he gets, but he actually might come useful. Uh, I generally like getting extra arms just to sort of help out to pick up the ball. Yeah. So that'd be extra arms, block or short hands next. Don't and know what I'm going to do about the Fen guy, but I'll probably take Wrestle with the tackle piece. Yeah, tackle's skill. really good. That's a good random skill. Wrestle, wrestle tackle. Beastmen actually are awesome to skill random general, aren't they? Because they're cheap enough that stuff like... Dirty player, you know, more expendable skills are fine on them. But then, you know, you get skills like your block, your tackle, wrestle. They're all really good for them. But also, you can use um, shadowing, even though it's not a great skill, but then you yeah. pair it up with, like, Prehensile Tail. Yes. That, that piece fun. comes really annoying. That's really fun, actually. I am. Um, no, I really like. I think. Um, Michael's Div 1 cow team is definitely a bit similar in that they're trying to do I think you really want the solid warrior core of block on all the warriors you know maybe get some mighty blow get some guard on them so they just can beat down and then depends where your beastmen go like since you're going to be firing 
you know, since you're going to be rehiring at the end of seasons, you can afford to take some randoms. And if they roll randoms that you go, eh, you just sack them, get a new, get a new beastman. And eventually you get, you know, only the good ones survive. As a true chaos coach should do. Yeah, exactly right. It's, it's very on theme too. So yes, that's exciting. Do you think you'll get one of the, uh, the big guys for chaos or not, not your style? Uh, definitely looking at them. I, I want to try out the ogre. I think mm. the ogre is a nice, nice piece to use. I really like the ogre as well. Yeah. No, I'm pretty. Do they actually get mutations on normals? Uh, I don't they should. They, do. they well, the chaos rays and the beastmen do. I don't know for sure. Chaos ogres do. Yes. Um, mutation primary. Oh, nice. oh, that is good. Get some claws. Get claws. Get tents. That is awesome. <clears throat> I just I just like it as a as another strong guy with a four plus to pick up the ball who doesn't have to fight to get past his nega trait. Yeah, I I honestly think both. Funnily enough, I think the Minotaur. I'm not a big Minotaur fan. Um, yeah, I definitely really like the Chaos Troll and the Chaos Ogre. And the Chaos Ogre, like... The Chaos Troll is kind of just a big roadblock. But the Chaos Ogre could be a proper star. That's that's very cool. So, yeah. Well, they seem to be... I mean, this isn't Yeah, plus you. the Minotaur has that unchannel fury. Yeah. As well. Which is not the best. Not the best. Oh, Keeping the tackle zone when you fail it's nice, but everything else sucks. <laughs> yes, so in other results in that division, we had... Oh, Palmyra got a big 3-0 win with his Dark Elves. Yep, that's what Palmyra's playing, that's right. Yep. Over Ash Loveday's Lizardman. Big SPP haul. Looks like the Dark Elves were having a lot of fun. Were they Kazanon Skinks? Looks like a bit of Kazanon Skinks. The oh, they also got a Flucker as well. Oh, they did. They did get a Saurus. So very mean there. Um, yeah, Palmyra's team is uh, coming along good. That Dark Elf team. Getting quite a lot of skills now. What happened in the next game, Geordie, if you want to take it away for me? Yeah, we had uh, Chaos Dwarves with Brendan piloting them and Gavin's Corn. Uh, Gavin won 2 1. Uh, looks like two scores in. Uh, wait, sorry. Uh, was it two scores in the second half? No, one in the first half. Uh, then Chaos Dwarves scored back and then another in the, the end of the game there. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of star player points to Corn as well. Looks like. Um, the Chaos Dwarf took, uh, took Bomber, but, uh, didn't, didn't get there. So, Bomber confirmed, not broken in the league. <laughs> Bomber's pretty broken still. No, no, no <laughs> Bomber sucks. <laughs> he says, preparing to bring Bomber and Sydney to his next game. I mean, nothing. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're only allowed to fl throw one Bomber turn. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it was Johnny Wilkinson with Shambling Undead versus Imperial Nobility with Andrew Lay. Um, That's a great result for Johnny. Mm -hmm. that, is a, that is a great result for Johnny. Uh, 
26 SPP is going to carry him for a while. Yeah, no, that is just a good old-fashioned drubbing right there. Yeah. Five Kaz. There was a Cindy Pie Whistle for the nobility team. Um, obviously not as good as Bomber, but I hope it still did something. Yes, no, Cindy is definitely handy. Um, doesn't look like she did much for the Imperial Nobility, though, sadly. And then moving on to Division 1. Actually, we should look at the standings first in Division 2. We've got Johnny and Squirrel. Some of you may have seen on Facebook, Johnny and Squirrel have been talking a load of trash. They're playing this week. Uh, they're both two wins, no losses. Gav's had a bit more development, so no pressure, Gav. He's also been talking a lot of trash about using unreadable blood ball pitches, so <laughs> interesting. Um, I look forward to the photos of that game. Um, yeah. But Johnny does have a bad team. I think. I think. I think if the um, mummies hit hard, I think Johnny will win. Yeah, I think Johnny's a real good shot, honestly. Gav's put his team out of order, so I have to go against you there, Gav. <laughs> Why aren't the, all the, you know, Chaos Warriors next to each other, Gav? Come on! Uh, was this one of the teams that changed after we mentioned it in the last podcast? Or? They might have. And after I mentioned the fact that it's like the one thing I can't manually do, I can fire that players, but I can't move <laughs> that order around. Ah! So, yes. Um, you actually are still in third, though, even with that tough loss, Adrian. So still still going. I think the... Um, funnily enough, for the Chaos, I don't think you need to be too worried about winning when you Chaos, you know, you get good later on. Just get get more block, get more mighty blow, and you'll get there. Yeah, so I'm up against um, Ash this Friday, so hopefully I can get more of some SVP, especially get the other uh, Chaos Warrior with block. I think that will help when I finally get around to play Gav or Johnny. Mm, definitely. And then looking at Div 1, uh, do you want to go over the first two games in Div 1 for me, Jordy? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm not sure who's piloting Moyle of the Mountains, uh, but it's a Skaven team uh, versus Chaos Chosen, with called uh, Bantha Pudu. Um, now, these teams are quite... Uh, quite a lot of skills oh, yeah. on each side. Um, but it looks like it was 2-1 to Skaven. Um, nobody scored it, it looks like until maybe the second half or just at the end of the first half um, and then on the final turn of the game I bet uh, to score the second touchdown to Toiler wait no that's the sorry it's an anonymous gutter runner that gutter runner has no name oh come on come on people but it looks like it's a, uh, quite an even game other than the casualties. Um, and yeah, a nice win for Skaven. Yeah. I think um, Skaven just proves how quickly they can score. So yeah. it pressured them to score early in that first half and they were able to get the 
equaliser and then basically kept it out until the very last sort of turn. Memorial of the Mountains still haven't lost. They finally tied at least last week. But a near perfect record. So they continue being very good. And then uh, Blood of the Innocent, a vampire team with Michael Colston, your dad, and uh, Luke Adrian on Lost Anarchy Chargers, the Chaos Renegade team. Uh, it's 3-1 to Vampires. Now, do you have any insight into that game? Oh, this was good old-fashioned dicing. I mean, you can kind of see it. The, the, <coughs> the game one goes, Kaz, touchdown, foul, foul, touchdown, foul, Kaz. That kind of about sums it up. Um, the Vampires actually have a massive bench, which has been really handy, I think, for them, in that they can... Like, if other teams are only running 11 and they start getting down players, the Vamps can actually foul them out. And Vamps really... Like, obviously, you know, Vamps are going to take a lot of attrition, so if Vamps can dish out any attrition, put the opponent in a similar boat, that can be really good. Um... And then, then being down to three or four players, you can still score with Vamps quite easily. Yeah. Also, just like Vamps are very win more in that if you score and put and go on defense again, like that's good. You want to be on defense again, um, just as long as you don't run out of players. And they were just killing the the poor Chaos Renegades players. So Luke needs um he needs a bit of luck to break his way. He's had two tough first games, but. The Chaos Renegades can get back in it if they if they can get a bit of luck. I think they're, they're a good chance to form a bit of a comeback. So, yeah. Going on to the next game, another vamp game. Uh, this time a tie, though, between Daniel's Lizards and Joel's Vamps. 2-2. Two, two. Um, yes. I mean, pretty standard-looking game, I think. You've got the actually the lizards score first on a Saurus, so we love Saurus touchdowns. Uh, they are so valuable, so that's always nice. Um, and then it looks like the vamps have just been nice and pesky. I, I suspect that score might have been. I don't know. Scoring on a Saurus is to me probably at the end of the first after you've murdered everything. I don't quite know actually. No, I. Ben, uh, they were playing their match when I was playing my Chaos vs. Lizard match. Oh, that's right. I think it was a ball got given to, pretty much given to the Saurus and basically just walked down the pitch. Oh, yeah. But I think Joel was able to get the um, equalising touchdown just before the end of the first half. Yeah. And then he had... Um, I watched the first bit of the second half and he was he looked pretty good in control but the um, Soros is sort of holding them yeah and it sort of looks like he's been forced to score early yes which has allowed time for the um, listener to come back well the trick that. I think the other trick here that's actually good insight Adrian because um, I know Daniel has played a lot of vamps online so he definitely has some idea what to do about them which is you know Often you can just score, you know, if you've got a chance to score, just do it, because the Vamps aren't as good on offense. Um, and while Joel's obviously played it really nicely to, to actually score on both his offenses, um, 
the skinks are really handy in that since they're so quick, you don't actually have to use cages to protect them. You can just straight up like position. So you can just stay eight squares away from vampires and try and hold the vampires away. And then you can potentially just hand off to a skink and then run in the end zone, you know, without ever getting the ball too close to a vamp who can just sack it, obviously. Yeah. So <clears throat> good play from both coaches, it looks like. And then I had a very exciting game against Charles. Me and Charles have the most fun games. Sadly, I always seem to lose them. But, you know, it was very fun. Um, Charles scores early with... with uh, Actually, Brady just ran it in, just scrambled up the middle. And then you had um, the Ogres try and score. Rachel did fail a double-one dodge to just completely blow up the ogre drive and I was really lucky actually there was a really clutch tackle from my tackle piece um, to sack the ball so I didn't go into the half 2-0 down and then I just went well I you know, I, I go for the win to a fault sometimes so went for the touchdown I think though against these elves they have such a good ability to one turn that I think it's probably fine to score early because I might have a better chance of just you know beating them into oblivion and uh, counter-scoring. Uh, Rachel did actually make an absurd sack where she made three dodges um, and shoved the guy out of bounds and then the ball got thrown in in like the worst possible location and where my snotlings couldn't quite reach it so the war dancer managed to pick it up. And I couldn't quite score before the end of the game but it was a super fun match. Um, Ogre's not getting quite as much Kaz as we needed. The Woody's actually matched us 4-4. Four to four. But, you know, that's kind of common with Ogre's because you, you pick on the, the Noblars and you get plenty of Kaz's yourself. He did MNG my block tackle Ogre for on a double uphill pow for the vampire Ouch. game, which I'm not exactly excited about. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to be a hard one. That is not fun. But, you know, these things happen in Blood Bowl. He wasn't dead. So, you know, could have been worse. Um, just looking at standings. Blood of the Innocent have played an extra game. Um, but they are on top. They're actually only a win and a draw at the time of round two ending. And then you've got uh, Reptilian Elite in second, a win and a draw as well. More of the mountains on the same record. Um, interestingly enough, top two teams are teams who went in with a bit less development than some of the other teams in this division. It's actually relatively similar in Division 2, which I think does speak to the strength of inducements uh, this edition. But also just the redraft, you know, buys everyone back to a relatively even standing. Um, yeah. Any comments from you guys? Yeah, I think um, redraft helps with the balancing issues. So you don't have huge teams picking on smaller teams. Yeah. I think that's a good thing about redrafting. I don't think it's in the right spot at this point in time. Mm. But it's definitely helped. And also with the buffs to uh, star players, you've got a bit more of an even playing field. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure how much I'll continue to tweak 
the redraft rules. I might keep them the same for a little while just to see how we go. But I think, you know, they can still be improved. Hopefully, oh, I just want Tour Play to continue updating features to give me more ways to, like, mess with it. Because ideally, I think I'd just have us redraft every two seasons pretty much as in the book. But Tour Play doesn't really allow that. So, we will see. Um, yeah, I, th I think as in the book's okay if you're playing somewhere between 15 and 20 games with a team before you redraft but uh, I think most most leagues are 7 or 8 games um, Yeah. so yeah I definitely think it's also been a bit of a thing of um, I've started to enjoy it more just this sort of blood bowl like the low, t low TV blood bowl is a bit different so I've definitely come around a bit on, on that style of play um, one last thing I did want to look at is the player honours going into week two. Who's leading what? So we've got most experienced player so far this season is an anonymous player. <sighs> Come on, Glooming Wood ones. We need you to name your witch elf. She's got 18 SPP, which is quite a nice sum. Um, second actually is Brady off the Lauren City Canaries, um, who's the thrower, funnily enough. And then we've got Quetra. Yeah, see, that's what you that's what you should be doing. Naming them weird things that Liam's going to pronounce really weirdly. Um, the award answer for California Dreaming, 15 SPP. And then we've got the Noble Blitzer, uh, Wodja Woderick III. I believe that sounds about right to me. Um, <laughs> sounds have, good. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's Pronounce as intended um, for Andrew Lay's Imperial Nobility. And we've got Dante, the ghoul of Johnny's team, on 14 SPP. Do you want to go over the best performance players? This is the players with the best, like, added up TD, CAS, completion, interception, injury, MVP, fouling. Yep. Uh, so it's Brady again, uh, second in the most experienced. Uh, for the Lauren City Canaries, a uh, nice Wood Elf thrower, uh, followed by a Thrall Lineman for Blood of the Innocent. Uh, <laughs> I suspect that Doug. might be the fouling. That might Some be reason. the fouling. <laughs> uh, Dark Doug the Wicked, the Wizard of the Wicked of Wicked. Okay, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll learn how to read one day. Yeah. Uh, then an anonymous Witch Elf. This is it the same anonymous Witch Elf? Yeah, I can't is. tell. Yes. Um, with six. Uh, it was even, uh, by the way. First and second was both eight uh, combined performance points. Uh, then Lauren City Canaries again in fourth with five on a ward answer. And an anonymous thrower on the Northern Stars. I think that's Joel's team, right? Yeah. Uh, with a thrower for the High Elves. Do you want to give us scores, uh, Adrian? Yep. So number one player at the moment is Dante with four touchdowns which is just on the same score of Anonymous our favourite uh, Witch Elf yeah. which is then followed by Fralabgo good work Johnny on four <laughs> and then we got um, Jacob Biting from the True Bloods with three and we got Moff Milka on three as well. Yeah. 
I'm not sure so if fairly we can say that on air. <laughs> He's very tight. Um, so yes, touchdowns certainly up for grabs. Casualties. Very proud of some of the ogres here. Although, this board answer, Fork has beaten up Snotlands. Mario and Getzlove are both on Fork has. Actually, I've, I think Getzlove had a really good um, opening game too, Charles was telling me. So it wasn't all just beating up little Noblars. Um, they both got Fork has. And then we've got Wolfgang, uh, Toiler, who is a Skaven lineman. Currently second place with three Kaz. How is that happening, guys? we got to work on this. Wolfgang is very embarrassed. <laughs> Wolfgang is very embarrassed. And, and oh, don't even get me started on the ogres who haven't got as many Kaz as that. Um, and then we've got, as well, a Slan Blitzer. Let's go Slan! Yeah, go Slan! <laughs> Come on! Um, so yes, they've done very well. <laughs> what about most injured, Geordie? Most injured is Brady the Thrower again. Yeah. Uh, two injuries. Someone needs um, to kill him or retire him for, for thematic reasons, obviously. I don't this, have prejudice against Wood Elves, just the. I mean, I do, so it's okay. <laughs> Knife ears. Um, so, the entire most injured um, category is tied with twos. Uh, so, we got Grubby the Renegade Goblin for Lost Anarchy Charges. Uh, Godwin Wolf for the Chaos Renegades as well, and Carlos Von Kill for the Chaos Renegades as as well. All three on the same team. <laughs> your, your team's really doing you proud, Luke. <laughs> it's uh, it's impressive, honestly. That is uh, impressive. And then, <laughs> and then uh, a Skink Runner uh, for the oh no, Lusertilla Legionnaires. Yeah, called Iguana. And how about you uh, tell us about these uh, these throwy throwy people, Adrian, throwing the ball a bunch, throwers. Most completions. Most completions. Completions. Ah, oh, our favourite people. For most completions, we've got anonymous again for the oh. Lauren Stars. Uh, with five completions. Then we got the. Zaku Kuradul from the <laughs> Peacocks on four. We planned this to make you have all the hard Uh Then we've got uh, Trevor from the Costco Crocs with three. Then we've got the other anonymous uh, thrower from the High Elves, other High Elf team from the Highborn Hurricanes on three. And then we've got the uh, Dark Elf runner Ribbon Forest Winds. From the Winter Spring Wanderers on three as well. Mm. Oh, well done, well done. The runners have three plus passing, don't they? And no pass skill except yeah. dump off. They got dump off, so you can trigger oh, that's that. Pretty good. It's actually that's not, pretty well not done. too bad to get your completions up. Dump off is good, and especially since it uh, starts at the beginning of the activation now, so it's it's quite yes. handy. And the other thing is, people need to foul more because, or well, at least record their fouls. To be fair, I'm very guilty of this. Dark Doug is way out ahead on seven fouls. So we gotta try and catch him up. Because second place is Beavis the Goblin, Ant's Goblin, with three. And the others are pretty, you know. The others tell me that pretty much only Michael is, is, is putting in fouls. He's got four and five there with one foul each. So we need some fouling. It's a fouling being recorded, guys. 
I think most of those fouls were in that um, Chaos Renegades match. <laughs> yeah, Chaos Renegades game. Yes. So yeah, I think that's about it. Unless we have anything else we talk about, we might we might go over how the teams are going, the team honors next week. It's always fun to look at uh, how everyone's going though. And yeah, thanks for joining me on this episode, guys. I think we'll. Uh, how long are we at? Looking at now. One hour thirty. So you know, editing maybe we'll get down to one hour fifteen. That's kind of my goal for these episode length. But um, I think that's pretty good. Thank you very much for joining us, Adrian. It was really great no having your thoughts on Underworld. No, it's a great team to play. Absolutely. Yeah. They seem yeah, th really. Thanks fun. for showing up. They seem really fun too. So I definitely recommend people try them. And let's all make sure we got a tournament in Ringwood. So we got to make sure we all attend it because that is very exciting as well. Um, and some sounds like almost custom sort of stars, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, and also, Geordie, thank you for joining us as per usual. I'm always around. <laughs> all right, so thanks for having us. That's about all for this week. So hopefully, we'll see you guys in three weeks' time for the next episode. Catches. Catch. See ya.